With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. How you doing, wrestling fans? And welcome to another edition of John Arizzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast. I hope everyone had a fabulous new year, and we wish you all the best in 2022. Today's show will cover highlights of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight radio show, which aired on 1050 AM WEVD in New York City with 50,000 watts of power. Beginning with this episode, WEVD will be the new home of Pro Wrestling Spotlight, or was the new home of Pro Wrestling Spotlight's radio show, which we will cover on this broadcast. A whole new era unfolds with the move to New York City by Vince Russo and I. 30 years ago, the face of Pro Wrestling Spotlight changed forever, and to go over that change, joining me is my co-host, Mr. Bob Smith. Bob, welcome back, and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to everybody. It's great to be back. Yeah, it is a new year, 2022, and uh, we'd also like to say uh, happy 2022 to A-Rob herself, our producer, Mm -hmm. our editor from the cold, great white north, Alex Robertson. Alex, how are you tonight? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, I'm happy to be starting a new year, and uh, I honestly can't believe we're in 2022 already. It feels like the year just flew by. Yes, and there's so much going on in the world. <laughs> 2023 starts, and you know, uh, not talking, you know, about you know the, the you know, everything. We all know what's going on out there in the world right now, but uh, uh, it is hopefully uh, 2022 is going to uh, be a better year, and uh, hopefully, a lot of things will change when it comes to getting this pandemic under control. And but you know, you can't control climate change, and there's such a crazy. The weather's crazy right now. I, I don't even want to get into any of that stuff, but uh, thank you for being with us, Alex, as always, and uh, all your hard work. So uh, welcome to the show tonight. Uh, the one-man wrestling encyclopedia, Donnie Libel, will be joining us shortly to go over this jam-packed Newsweek from 30 years ago with his time capsule. Before we begin, I'd like to ask you to help get the year off to a great start for all of us. If you're a fan of what we do here at the podcast, a fan of vintage wrestling and the rich history that is pro wrestling spotlight, join our Patreon community today. This offsets the cost of bringing you this show each and every week in return for you joining. You get a ton of content and vintage history of this show from its debut in 1989 to all the future episodes we have to come. Membership begins at just $5 a month. 
And for five bucks, you get this podcast five days early each week without commercials. You also get the entire archives of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Over 140 episodes are up on the site right now. There are several other tiers as well, which give you access to some true wrestling history from my archives. Go to patreon.com slash John Arezzi, and your support is greatly appreciated. So, Bob, here it is. The move to WEVD has happened, and this episode covers some explosive allegations in the wrestling world. What a way to uh, crack the seal on your show, on your new uh, radio home. And it had to be an amalgam of emotion for you because you had to move. You yeah. did move to a new station. It's, it's a legendary number on the AM band in New York City. It's a new time slot. And you're going to have two professional wrestlers on your show. With bombshell after bombshell, you must have been in some state of mind for this particular program. Well, I was excited about the move after we uh, had that meeting with WGBB and they couldn't do anything to give us the show for free or share revenue. And then we went over to WEVD and they're like, you know, you got your time slot, but, uh, you know, it's a th- over a thousand bucks a week. But we felt uh, that the move was going to be a good one, uh, Russo and I. And and uh, the anticipation of getting on this new station with the signal and then the guests uh, because of what happened on their Inside Edition uh, interview, that started the ball rolling. But when they went on Pro Wrestling Spotlight, as we'll hear, uh, it will be um, unlike any show that we had done previously as far as how hard-hitting these allegations were. And even before we get started, I got to tell you and I got to make the announcement that, you know, there is a disclaimer here. These are the opinions of Billy Graham. These are the opinions of Dr. D. David Schultz. Um, So we're going to play some heavy duty stuff today, Bob. Yes, it is absolutely as serious as a heart attack. Uh, This is going to be probably you you can vouch for this, John. It might be the heaviest of every show you've ever done. You'll have to tell me if it was, but. I listened to the show with my jaw agape. Uh, I was just amazed at what I heard. Oh, up to this point, it certainly was. But, you know, we're not in the sex scandal era yet because that happens in just a few months with Donahue and all of that. So up to the point of the history of the show, this is the most explosive episode yet. It had to be because uh, and as you listeners take part in the show tonight, it just keeps going. I mean, it's one revelation after another, one statement after another that's almost hard to fathom. I listened even today with uh, a great sense of actually sadness because um, he had a former world champion just kind of exposing the underbelly of a business that wasn't quite as clean as we thought it was. Hmm. No, it it got really dirty. Uh, over the course of uh, 90, 91, and now going into 92, it just it starts the year off with a bang. Let's put it that way. And it starts our run at WEVD off with a bang. And, you know, the one exciting thing about it is, uh, as we talked about in the last few episodes on how uh, everyone is going to know this, the difference production wise on how professional uh, it, this all was. 
it sounds so good. I mean, the changeover and just the audio quality was so good. <laughs> and I like you and I have talked in private about this is about the uh, station used to advertise itself as being an AM stereo, which is mm-hmm. it's kind of like, you know, diet pizza in that you had to have an AM receiver to get AM radio. But that's a whole nother ball of wax. Yeah. It really was an improvement sound wise. And of course, signal-wise, over your previous radio station. Oh yeah, there's no comparison. So, and 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 you know, the callers as we get into future weeks, you'll be able to see hear that as well. Well, why don't we go into this first clip? How about that? This is the beginning of a new era for the pro wrestling spotlight. Broadcasting with fifty thousand watts of power. This is WEVD, New York's Greater 1050. We're the AM alternative New York's been waiting for with music, news, sports, and talk 24 hours a day in AM stereo. We're WEVD, New York's Greater 1050. Wrestling fans, thanks for hanging in there with us. This is John Arezzi for the debut program right here on New York's Greater 1050 WEVD. Welcome to the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. It's indeed a pleasure to be here broadcasting now with 50,000 watts of power. This is our third uh, radio station. We've had the Pro Wrestling Spotlight on. Started out April 9th, 1989 on WNYG in Babylon sometimes broadcasting there on 30 watts of power uh, moving over to wgbb and here on wevd new york's greater am stereo station 1050 on the dial reaching about seven states right now and uh, hopefully many of the wrestling fans on the northeast are tuning in right now for our debut show here we're going to have an exciting show to kick it all off Our special guest for our debut edition here at WEVD, former World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion, this superstar, Billy Graham, and also Dr. D. David Schultz, another former professional wrestler. Both of these individuals appeared this past Friday on the Inside Edition television show. They both spoke about their relationships in the past with the current, or actually not the current, but the four-time World Wrestling Federation champion Hulk Hogan and the alleged steroid use of the Hulkster. And we're going to kick it off talking to both of those individuals right here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. We're not going to deviate format uh, here as we have done. Uh, We're going to keep the same format as we've done over the last few years. We'll take your calls and comments. We'll give you a number to call in on in just a little bit uh, to make your opinions known. We'll also lead things off each and every week with Don Liable, the excellent wrestling reporter, direct from Utica, New York, and he can pick up the station up there. So uh, all those folks up there will be able to listen to us, and we have some exciting announcements for you today. We're starting the Pro Wrestling Spotlight weekly newsletter. Issue number one is right off the press. I want to introduce uh, our executive producer and also the man who is putting the newsletter all together for us, Vinny Russo. Vinny, and welcome to WEVD with us. It's nice to be here, John. You made it to the Big Apple. Yeah, Big Apple and uh, 
what we're going to do is just really have some uh, great information for the fans each and every week. We're not going to pull any punches here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. We will tell you what's happening, and we're going to get right to it in just a second here. Uh, Don Liable is expected to come up, and uh, we already have superstar Billy Graham as well as uh, Dr. D. David Schultz already on hold. A little Vince Russo there for uh, the fans who enjoyed him so much last time. <laughs> yeah, uh, Vinny, Vinny Russo, uh, very happy to be in New York City, and it was just kind of a eye opener for him as we had him on, on the show a few weeks back. And yeah, so uh, this partnership uh, gets off and running with the newsletter. The first one is out, and even the beginning of the show, uh, you know, you heard Vince there, but uh, just a, a quick explanation of what happened 30 years ago. Uh, we got on the air late because there was a game or something that was being covered. There was some type of we didn't get on the air till like 10 minutes after the hour, which uh, that's why I was uh, hopeful that uh, uh, that the listeners were going to be joining us. And of course they did. But uh, happy to be at EVD and we'll be covering it each and every week here. But tonight's show kicks it off with um, uh, something really uh, critical. Uh, at that time, uh, that kind of changed uh, the way people were looking at pro wrestling in the mainstream. It sure did. And from that segment, we go right into Don Leibel's uh, news cans, uh, capsule. Don, how are you? I'm very good, Bob, and Happy New Year to everybody. Um, you know, I'll tell you, this is exciting. This is um, everybody's going to want and everybody will talk about. When you have people like superstar Billy Graham and Dr. D. David Schultz, say what they said 30 years ago, you look back now and wow, that was so ahead of its time. And it's, you're going to, this is a show that everybody's going to talk about easily. Well Don, when you go into your, into your news capsule in this edition, you actually touch upon the fact that the two wrestlers had been on television before making the appearance on this show. Yeah, uh, and that's what got things started. And 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 if you listen to when you listen to a radio show, we'll talk about uh, other uh, TV appearances that uh, may be coming up with and that did come up. So uh, it really was a snowball effect. But for them to have, um, you know, pretty much a, a microphone and to say what they wanted to say for as long as they wanted to say it on this show. Uh, and it, the people in Stanford, Connecticut had to be cringing each time for each sentence that they were talking. About. Well, as as the fans will hear, John, I have to ask you, you gave these guys a foot and they took a mile. I mean, when when Schultz and Graham start talking, were you prepared for the, the scope of what they were about to say? No, I was not prepared. Uh, for uh, what they were about to say. I saw the inside edition piece and uh, they went much, much further on the radio show. And quite frankly, um, even after the show, I remember Vince and I discussing it and uh, how crazy it was and how fearful it was like, this was the show that each and every week when we ventured into New York City to do Pro Wrestling Spotlight after this first episode, we literally were scared because we were going into the city at night and we'd park our car and we'd be looking around as we entered the building and leave the building. Sure. And, you know, no one is saying like, you know, like Jerry McDivitt said on Dark Side, you know, who cares about John Arizzi or whatever, who's going to threaten him? But we were, we were, we were airing something that 
was so explosive. And after the after the show, because Phil Muchnick was listening, and after the show, when he wrote that column that came out a few days later, I mean, we were in the middle of something that we didn't know where it was going to go. And then, yeah. of course, as a precursor, there's a little bit of a spoiler alert. In the next episode, Phil Muchnick comes on the show. So right. uh, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get quite hairy. Well, there's the thing. And, and for everyone listening to this particular podcast, stick around to the end. Whatever you do, stick around to the end because it is the single most jarring segment I've heard in the history of this program in, in the original radio show because th these fellows are going to talk about something that is so dark that, um, John, I don't even know what to say about it. It was just so off the scale in terms of its importance, and it, it was just scary. Yeah, it was. Uh, and how do you think I felt? behind the mic and listening yeah. to this and like, do we cut this off? Do we stop it? And I just, I couldn't, I had to let, I let them go. I had to let them go. Yeah. I, I, what a show uh, this uh, is folks. John, but, but uh, go ahead, Don. Yeah. I just wanted to touch upon what John was talking about when they would leave the studio, you know, it was dark and whatnot. I, I had been to, I think two shows there with you, John. And I can remember being late at night it wasn't the most populated area. In fact, I don't remember, and I mean, it's 30 years, but I don't remember people even walking around the area where the studio was. Um, it was very uh, uh, a plain setting door to go in. And, and the, the whole area there, you know, if you let your imagination go, you really could, it could go pretty far because it wasn't very populated and uh, it was late at night like you said and um, no, it was downtown it was know, downtown Manhattan. yeah it was downtown manhattan it was in the middle of a business section uh you know it was not too far from the world trade center uh and it was an area where on the it wasn't where there were a ton of restaurants or there were just businesses that operated monday through friday and uh, mostly offices and uh, it was desolated and it was a little frightening well, I've been a guest on a lot of radio shows, both as a musician and in my days at Peter Roy. Let me tell you something. People think that radio stations are like TV stations. They're not. No. Sometimes they're in sketchy areas of town. Sometimes they have antiquated equipment. So the buildings can be dilapidated. They are not glamorous at all. No. And there and and here there was no security. Oh, there was geez. no security going in and out of that building. None. That was before 9/11. But uh, a lot of years before 9-11, actually. But uh, there was no security going in and out of that building. Oh, and being that you had such a late time slot, that had to make it even more daunting, really. It was. It was. And it was kind of always an uneasy feeling. Even though it was exciting to be at that big station, it was always an uneasy feeling going in and out of there, especially after this first episode. Yeah. Well, you know what? Before we get into the meat of the show and all the revelations you're about to hear, we do have a time capsule. So let's get to Don Libel and his news. Don, are you there? Yes, I am, John. How you doing? Very good and a couple days late, but a happy new year to you and to all of our new listeners on WEVD. Well, welcome aboard. Lots going on this week, so John, thank you and good evening, everybody. Leading off the capsule for this week's wrestling news, former World Wrestling Federation champion superstar Billy Graham and main eventer Dr. D. David Schultz 
appeared this past Friday on the nationally syndicated television show Inside Edition, speaking of their experiences in using steroids with Hulk Hogan. Now, the taped interviews from both claim that the drug hasn't been a foreign substance to the Hulkster for a number of years. Graham stated to have shot up Hogan with injectable anabolic steroids on several occasions. That also according to the Wrestling Observer. And no official remarks have come down from the WWF concerning the Inside Edition piece. And the heat remains on the WWF outside of the ring. Former wrestler and color commentator on WWF television shows Jesse the Body Ventura has filed a lawsuit against his former employer for the use of his voice on videos and pay-per-views without receiving any royalties. Now, according to a report in Torch Weekly, Ventura was paid for initial airing of his work on superstars of wrestling and pay-per-views, but believes further use of his voice should result in reimbursement. Now, Ventura has been one of the commentators for radio broadcasts on the NFL's Minnesota Vikings games for the past two seasons. Well, it appears Lex Luger's days with the World Championship Wrestling are numbered. Don't expect to see the WCW Heavyweight Champion on too many arena cards, if any, this month due to a clause in his contract that specifies he is to wrestle a specific amount of matches only in a year. In rapidly reaching that unspecified number of matches, Luga is not booked for the promotion's upcoming Clash of Champions lineup on WTBS. Lex, however, is expected to defend his title opposite Sting on February 29th in Milwaukee. And in shocking developments, sources close to WCW claim Luga will be leaving the promotion on March 1st of this year, a year early from a contract that currently runs through 1993. The major stipulation in this, Lex cannot wrestle for a year. And speaking of WCW's class on January 21st coming from Topeka, Kansas, here's a rundown of the top matches. In the main event, Sting will be teaming with Ricky Steamboat opposing Rick Rude and Steve Austin. In six-man tag action, it will be the trio of Dustin Rhodes, Barry Windham, and Ron Simmons Taking on Arn Anderson, Larry Zabisco, and Bobby Eaton, the Steiner brothers are challenged by Big Van Vader and Mr. Hughes, plus Cactus Jack and Van Hammer are scheduled to lock holds on the card. And finally, load up your video recorder, set the timer for January the 14th at 4 p.m. On the ESPN airing of Global Wrestling Federation that day, the two-out-of-three falls title match has the Lightning Kid defending his light heavyweight belt, with Jerry Lynn in Dallas' Global Dome. It is said to be a four-star confrontation. The match was held on December 27th. Spotlight capsule time, 11.26. You know, in most eras, you would run down the matches and the cards, and that would be the meat of a show. But 1991 wasn't like that, was it, John? No, it wasn't. Uh, it certainly wasn't. But in this uh, particular debut episode, and Donnie, I mean... Uh, it, it was almost like we all kind of stepped up our game because your your capsule, your time capsule, your news capsule from 30 years ago was the news, hard hitting. It was succinct. It was uh, it was well put together. And I think in your voice, I heard the excitement of being in a much larger platform than uh, typically we had done in the past. Sure. It was uh, it's about the business. Um it it took away the uh, um, you know something that uh, was kayfabe all along to now we're behind the curtain and and airing everything yeah. out and oh yeah by the way there are some matches coming up but here you have a, a, a audience 
and everybody's going to find out some news today on this show that, that nobody else has. That's exciting. We've got shows coming up. Yeah, but we have things like with Jesse, uh, we, uh, you know, the behind scenes business uh, was getting more attention. And that was exciting for me because for so long I wanted to talk about things like that. But, you know, coming from an era where you do that uh, in public, this was something new and, uh, you know, I couldn't wait to into it yeah i mean the not only the the schultz and graham appearance on inside edition but the jesse the body ventura lawsuit against the wwf those were big news and you could almost hear uh, uh titan towers in in connecticut you can almost hear like the walls beginning to rattle there a little bit <laughs> with uh because this show was listened to and it was listened to on this evening and it was listened to in the following week with much nick and it was listened to every week and uh, from what I understand, Howard Finkel uh, would give a report on what was said on the show each and every week. Uh, maybe he was assigned to listen to it. But, yeah, we were in an era that now um, we weren't a little well-kept secret like we were on Long Island with a lot of hardcore fans. Now we were in the media capital of the world being listened to by guys like Muchnick, guys like Bob Raceman of the Daily News, and uh, so many others. And this is where, you know, through the exposure on this show, uh, people came into my life that, you know, ultimately changed it uh, because they were able to listen to this program. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of excited about what's in the future. And Donnie, I think the first uh, time capsule covering WEVD was uh, was pretty awesome. Yeah. And, you know, one thing for me personally, by you getting to know Billy Graham more, uh, having him come to your convention was for me the highlight uh, to be around Graham. Uh, and I remember specifically when he came in late at night, uh, I accompanied him and Billy up to his room and he was getting his stuff on bed and whatnot. And hotel. Uh, he, he had brought some items with him uh, that he was going to put in, in the auction. And I remember he had a colored uh, photograph of him and uh, uh, Hulk Hogan together and it was in a frame. And I remember looking at it going, man, I, I, I really want to bid for that. And the autograph on there that Hulk Hogan autographed to Billy Graham, it said, to Billy, oh, now you know why we do what we do, something like that. And I thought for so There was an inside comment that, for sure. Yeah. Yes. That message certainly um, was inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, great job on that first one, Donnie. Thank you. And more to, more to come. So, Bob, I guess we're going to continue on. But, Don, we'll say uh, farewell to you at this point. And uh, please feel free to listen to the show as it's, it, you know, as it's unfolding as long as you want to. And and uh, we're going to get into the we're going to get into it now. But uh, as always, my friend, a pleasure to have you with us each and every week. And uh, thank you again. And Happy New Year to you. Thanks to you. Thanks, Don. Always informative. Always Absolutely. the Encyclopedia of Wrestling, Don Lyman. Yes, no question yes, about it. Yes, indeed, man. I mean, there's nobody like Donnie, man. He, he, the facts and figures, and we'll obviously every week we got them. Yes, we do, and that's a good thing. Um, can I speak directly to the listeners now of our podcast? Go ahead, Bob. Okay, friends. I want you to follow these instructions. Go into the kitchen. Go ahead. Go on into the kitchen. Make a nice cheese platter. Maybe some wine to go with it. Or if it's late and you're listening to this podcast, get a pot of coffee brewing. Good, strong coffee, like the Italian coffee. 
get the Espresso. best can, you, right? Get the best can you can out of the back of the cabinet because we have some long clips tonight, and they're very serious clips. And you're going to want to just sit back, relax, and enjoy the unbelievable scandal you're about to hear. John, take it away. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, this is uh, this is it. Um, you know, from Billy Graham coming on the show in 1990 to talk about uh, his use of steroids and how it affected his health. And Billy and I got to know each other really well uh, during that time period. And, you know, from him kind of tipping me off about the Saharian trial and me breaking that story in 1991 on Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And and then, of course, Billy's future appearances. Uh, this one, this is where uh, this is where it hits the fan. This is where it hits the fan. So uh, as Bob said, you know, sit back. Tune in, get ready and uh let's hear what's let's hear what happened that night on January 5th 1992 here we go with some really explosive commentary now we're going to bring our two special guests uh, for this evening uh very controversial segment that aired this past Friday on Inside Edition uh these two gentlemen know Hulk Hogan very well and uh we're going to bring them on right now. Uh, superstar Billy Graham and Dr. D. David Schultz. Gentlemen, can you hear me okay? Yes, yes. Loud and clear here in Los Angeles, uh, John. Well, welcome to the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. David, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How are you, John? How are you doing, Bill? Good, my man. Good, That's Dr. Great. D. Everything's coming in good here in Connecticut. Okay, so we got a cross-country hookup here, and we're going to speak about... Uh, what happened this past Friday, first of all, on Inside Edition. Now, it's a piece that has already... Uh, gotten a lot of controversy and both of you gentlemen have known the Hulkster for a long time Hulk Hogan and Billy of course uh, you are not wrestling any longer you've uh, are suffering from a number of ailments uh, and repercussions from uh, years of uh, anabolic steroid abuse and um, first of all it's a pleasure to have both of you here now I want to get into a little bit first uh, perhaps with you Billy and then with David uh, how long have you known Hulk Hogan well, uh, I've known uh, I've known Hulk Hogan uh, since 1970, uh, late '76 uh, in Tampa, Florida, uh, before he started uh, uh, before he started his pro wrestling career. Uh, he had uh, he had approached me in Tampa uh, at this time and was uh, asking me to help him get into the business, uh, which I told him I would do uh, do that if I could. And um, uh, then, uh, as it turned out, uh, he, he got started on his own shortly thereafter. So I, I've known the Hulkster since 1976, late 76. Okay, and David? Um, I met Terry. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll refer to him as Terry. That's, Terry Bollea is his real name. Yeah, and uh, I met him in 78 in Pensacola, Florida, when he uh, came into the southeastern uh, wrestling territory then as uh, a wannabe wrestler, as I call him. He was trying to work his way into the pro wrestling business and actually nobody wanted to, anything to do with him but uh, you know with his uh, abundant supply of steroids and 
the knowledge he gave the wrestlers in that area at that time, how to get big, how to inject steroids, how it makes you grow, how to work out. Okay. He quickly, he quickly worked his way in. You know, that, that was his end. Okay, before we get into the, the use of steroids, I just want to uh, tell our listeners out there, uh, we are discussing uh, Hulk Hogan tonight here at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, and uh, the reasons, I guess, that both you, David, and Billy have come forward uh, to talk about your past relationships with Hulk Hogan uh, is because the denials uh, of the Hulkster saying that he had only used steroids on occasions to rehabilitate himself medically, and he went on Arsenio Hall show back in July to uh, to make those statements. Uh, this is after the big Dr. George Saharian trial. Now, that prompted both of you to come out, I guess, was uh, his statements on Arsenio. Uh, yeah, let me, uh, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just set the tone for this thing, uh, okay. uh, John. Uh, I, I, when David and I both saw that program uh, as millions of other people across the country I believe it was July 18th uh, and uh, Hulk, uh, Hulk uh, Terry Bollet came out there and sat down and blatantly lied to the to the American public about his uh, steroid use it uh, it was like a dagger in me it was like someone had given me poison uh, but the point of this uh, the point of this story is that that lie that he perpetrated goes further than just Hulk Hogan that lie was born in the offices of Titan Sports. That lie was perpetrated and predetermined and premeditated by Vince McMahon and his staff along with Hulk Hogan. So this, so, so the, the, the fault of lying not only lays on, the burden falls on Hulk Hogan, but also falls on Vince McMahon and the WWF. Therefore, the, the magnitude of what they have done, uh, I, I myself am personally going to um, uh, campaign across this country for a boycott of all pay-per-view television, all marketing merchandise from the WWF. I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to go boycotting against free TV. Turn your channel. Don't watch the wrestling. Call in right into the sponsors and complain about the, about the merchandise being sponsored on the WWF. And just let me read you one thing. I'm not alone in my, uh, in my uh, desire to boycott uh, uh, the WWF. There's a current article in the Good Housekeeping magazine, January of this year, and it's just a short paragraph, and let me read it to you. Uh, the headline of the story is Wrestling, Good or Bad for Kids? Why do kids love professional wrestling so much? Most parents can't even begin to understand the attraction. The action isn't always real. Kids can tell when there's fake fighting going on. And wrestlers' muscles are so overinflated that it's hard to take them seriously or the sport. While fans say wrestling is good, clean, fun, Many others believe it's a, bla a bad influence on kids, and here's why. Three reasons they state why. First, the drug connection. Because so many wrestlers are pumped up by steroids, young fans may think that it's okay to use these drugs. Two, no true competition. The outcome of many matches is predetermined, which may lead kids to believe that's the case with all sports competition. And finally, the third point, fighting dirty. Many wrestlers ignore referees, hit from behind, and do all sorts of things parents teach their kids not to do. The closing statement, with all these negatives, maybe it's time to change the channel. And I can add another one to those three points of reasons why to turn the channel, and that's their hero, the, 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 the star of the WWF, has blatantly lied to the children of this country. So that's another reason to boycott the WWF. Okay, uh, David, you know, you know Hulk, and you pretty much 
entered the WWF with him back in the early 80s. Now, can you tell us about your relationship with Hulk Hogan uh, before entering the WWF? You guys go back a long, long time. Yeah, like I said, I met him in, uh, you know, uh, 78, Pensacola, Florida. And, um, you know, he, when I met him, he had a van to sleep in. That was it. He didn't have no money, no way to get around or anything. He just come in trying to get into wrestling. Nobody wanted to put him in. He's so big and clumsy. So he worked his way in with me, and I kind of helped him along and uh, told him uh, how to work his way into the boys, how to get the guys to accept him. And uh, in exchange for that, like I said, he introduced me to steroids. I use steroids. There's no secret about that. Uh, you know, um, me and Billy is on kind of a different thing here. Billy is, has had a terrible experience with steroids. I've had nothing but a good experience with steroids. Now, let, let me straighten this up just a minute. Let me, let me clean up a minute before you jump on in here. Now, Hogan introduced me to steroids, and without him introducing me to them and showing me how to use them and getting me in the gym and work out with him, I would have never made it to the top of the WWF. I want you to understand that. Hulk Hogan would have never made it to the top of the WWF without uh, over-excessive use of steroids. Billy Graham, I'm sure, is a fine wrestler. I've wrestled him myself on different occasions and a uh, super nice guy. He would have never made it to the WWF or remained in the WWF as the WWF champion uh, if he hadn't used excessive amounts of steroids. Now, if I'm wrong, Billy, you jump in there. No, you're right. You're I mean, absolutely right, David. Keep on going, brother. This is my opinion of all this, you know, and the reason I haven't suffered any damage from it, as I can tell, as of yet. I have years to come to meet Billy's use of steroids. You know what I'm saying? I didn't use them as long as him, and I didn't take as much as him. If I had remained in the WWF, I might be in Billy's shape right now. Because with Vince McMahon telling me personally, David, get bigger. Go see the doctor. Get your arms bigger. Go to the gym. Well, I was big enough. I was close to 300 pounds. I was never, I was never uh, Billy Graham. Um, you know, I'd love to be his size if uh, if I could do it without suffering the damage he suffered. Um, I was never the size of Hulk Hogan for his, uh, uh, his what he says, 24-inch biceps, which uh, I know that's a lie, uh, just uh, among all the others, you know. Um, Hulk Hogan in Minneapolis in the AWA, we wrestled each other all over the United States. And uh, then he went to the WWF. Uh, which is a long story how Vince McMahon brought him in WWF in order to uh, take over or control, try to control all of pro wrestling and then pull me into the WWF and used me and abused me and then got rid of me. But that's not, that's not what we're here about. We're here about steroids and Hogan lying about the fact that he uses them because you're going to have people come on and ask you if I use them. Yes, I did use them. And without them, I would have never been where I am today, which today, like you know, I'm not a wrestler no more. I'm a bounty hunter and a very good one, probably the number one in the United States of the world. And without steroids, I would have never been where I'm at today. And, um, you know, it, it's just, it hasn't had time to catch up with Hogan yet. See, when Hogan just started wrestling, Billy Graham was the world's champion. When, when Hogan met me in Pensacola, Florida, you know, uh, Billy Graham was already world champion. So he's got these years to catch up with him as Billy Billy has just went through the last several years. Well, Billy was a forerunner uh, 
as far as one of the first pro wrestlers to really, uh, as far as his physique goes, uh, back in the 70s, I remember when Billy was champion, there was nobody like him as far as his look, and he was the forerunner to the Hulk Hogan era of today. Uh, you know, I just want to emphasize once again to our listeners, and uh, we're not here to, uh, I'm not here to blast Hogan personally, uh, professionally, because, uh, you know, he's not alone in taking steroids in professional wrestling. Uh, there are a number of others, not only in pro wrestling, but in all sports that take steroids. An estimated one million people in this country are on steroids, which are now considered a controlled substance. So right now in possession of steroids without a, a legal prescription for them uh, is considered the same as having uh, a controlled substance, cocaine, marijuana on your person if you're caught with them uh, but the hogan situation uh, hogan is a role model for millions of youngsters out there and his public statements are just always denying the use of steroids uh, without uh, just the one or three times he mentioned for medical rehabilitation. Uh, David, he stayed at your home on a number of occasions, uh, and I know the Inside Edition piece uh, covered some of that, uh, but uh, I don't know if you want to bring it up or not, but uh, uh, he used to, from what I understand, uh, stay at your home, I believe in Nashville, was it? Uh, well, no, it was in Knoxville at that Knoxville, time. okay. Knoxville and Pensacola, Florida, and also in Connecticut. Okay. And uh, he used to leave, from what I understand, uh, uh, did he used to leave steroids uh, laying around the house? Or? Oh, yes, yes. In uh, Knoxville, when uh, he was just getting started in Pensacola, he left them. Of course, I was on the road. My family was with me sometime. When I moved to Knoxville from uh, Nashville, I brought my family along. When he'd come up to stay, of course, my daughter was seven years old then, and, uh, you know, she'd move out of her bedroom and, and go sleep on the couch. You know, we was uh, struggling, trying to... Uh, making in pro wrestling, and uh, Terry would come over, and she would volunteer let him have her bed. And, um, you know, and while we would go to the gym, she would go into the room to play, and she would see all these bottles sitting there, and she'd come out and ask her mother, uh, what were they, because she was worried about Terry. She didn't want nothing to happen to Terry. She looked up to him. She knew he was a good friend of mine. And, of course, my wife told her, don't worry about it. It's vitamins and things you don't need to worry about, but she's seen all this medicine. She thought it was medicine. She thought the guy was sick or something. So then years later in, in um, Minneapolis, 1983, we would go to Terry's condo and um, go in the basement and work out. And, uh, you know, just about every day we'd work out there, and my daughter would go over, my wife would go over, and uh, Terry's wife now, you know, they'd be all together, and Terry and myself would be downstairs working out. And my daughter would go in the room, and she sees all these bottles. Now she's old enough to read. And she reads testosterone, uh Bowen, Gonadotrolin, Winstraw, Anavar, Dianabol. And, I mean, you know, she reads all these things. She can read them now. She's old enough to read them. And she comes down and asks her mother, you know, about all that stuff. And she said, well, those are vitamins and uh, things they take when they work out. And, um... Uh, you know, don't worry about it. It's, uh, you know, she wasn't no use for her to get concerned of it. In other words, it was uh, common knowledge. Uh, they asked my wife about it. My wife said, well, she, they asked her, did I take steroids? And uh, I believe her response was, he's got a pair of wrestling boots. I mean, like, don't all wrestlers take steroids? Or you ask me, I mean, it's a common knowledge, I mean, to wrestlers that wrestlers take steroids. I mean, if you get that big, you, you got to take steroids. You don't get it naturally have to have the use and you have to have anabolic steroids to get that big. And anybody say they don't, well, they're lying. They should tell the truth because 
you know, uh, I remember in the old books you used to look in, the old uh, bodybuilding books, and, all, and I see, I believe you can still look in them and see Charles Atlas. They use, you know, they got this ad. The guy's largest, his arms was a 17 and a half inches. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this guy worked out probably 18 hours a day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he never got 20 to 23 inch arms. Uh, he never weighed 300 pounds. And uh, you know, it was uh, like I said though. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm not knocking them. They got me to where I was, and I just hope that I continue good health and I don't run up into the problems that Billy has run up into. Because I remember several years back before Billy problems set in on him that I was wrestling Billy across the ring and he looked great just like he did in 77, 78. I mean, the guy was phenomenal. And then all of a sudden, I pick up a paper and here's where Billy's having uh, his hips, uh, parts of him took out, replaced his ankles, all because, uh, you know, the use of steroids and things. So I hope that don't uh, come up on me. I don't believe it will because I wasn't uh, subjected to it as long as he was. Okay. Uh, as far as the relationship that you have with Hogan uh, later on, when did the uh, when was the last time both of you have uh, communicated with Hogan uh, or social with Hogan, and when did those relationships break off? Uh, first, Billy, if I can go to you. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, John. My uh, my relationship uh, with the Hulkster, uh, um, I I I ran across him. I think less frequently than David did. Um, the most time I spent with him um, in that Minnesota uh, era that uh, David was speaking about uh, during that time and then in, in 1987 uh, I had my hip operation in 1986, October uh, and I made my comeback uh, with that hip replacement in 1987 and uh, during that time I, uh, uh, I was traveling around the country uh, with the WWF and had a, quite a few opportunities to um, to uh, to uh, visit with uh, Terry and uh, discuss things, and I remember uh, on many occasions during '87, especially, he uh, we would joke about his ignorance of steroids when he first started taking them. He told me that the first year he took steroids, he took a shot every day for a year until he learned how to cycle them. And uh, he told me that he got scar tissue, which is common uh, in the hip area, about the size of a, uh, of a, of a tennis ball. And as a matter of fact, Lalo Zedo had those scar tissue lumps uh, cut out recently. And, uh, and so uh, we would uh, have these conversations uh, in 87 uh, uh, doing uh, some of those double shots that Vince McMahon had us doing, a charter plane, and we'd uh, uh, do a double shot and uh, sit up in that uh, chartered airplane and talk about, uh, talk about which steroids work the best, uh, 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 which ones uh, uh, you would combine with others to uh, get the best effect, uh, uh, different things like that. And I remember three occasions specifically in 87 that I gave uh, Terry Bollet injections myself. One was in the Pontiac Silverdome uh, in 87. Another one was in the Keel Auditorium in St. Louis, and then the Cow Palace in San Francisco, all in the year of 87. Uh, so uh, uh, for him to go out and blatantly lie uh, uh, about his uh, association with anabolic steroids and only using them for a therapeutic bicep tear, which no one, all the uh, uh, wrestling historians, including yourself, going back uh, to 1983, cannot find any instance where Hulk Hogan was uh, off of wrestling for a bicep tear, uh, uh, went to a doctor for a bicep tear, and as we all know, I believe Sid Justice 
uh, has just been out of the business for approximately four months, and I don't know what the tear was he suffered. I think it was a bicep tear, but uh, here we have a documented time lapse for a man uh, suffering a tear from uh, a muscle injury, but Hulk Hogan, uh, there's nowhere in the record, in the history of these records of wrestling, that he ever uh, was out any length of time for a bicep tear. So the magnitude of this of this lie that he has perpetrated on the American public and especially the youth of this country is enormous. And I believe the man must pay his dues. He must, him and this man must get in front of a camera, a nationwide TV audience, and public apologize to this country and especially the children for lying and deceiving them purposely. Okay, David, uh you were a mainstay in the WWF, and uh, you're most famous for, uh, uh, I would guess, a 2020 piece where uh, John Stossel asked the wrong question at the wrong time, and shortly thereafter, uh, I believe you, you were banished from the WWF. Uh, was that around the last time you and Hogan uh, were social with each other? Yeah, it was the uh, last time I spoke to Terry was 85 in January, and I believe that uh, happened in uh, 85. Or the John Stossel incident, which, uh, you know, it, that goes into a lot more uh, detail, which, you know, you know yourself, as I told you, I'm in process of writing a book, and I'm in process of doing a movie about these things, and I won't get into too much detail about them, but let me tell you how many times I personally injected Hogan with steroids, which would, I would inject him in his triceps usually, because he couldn't reach around to get the needle in, and I guess it'd run into the hundreds of times not three or four times, hundreds of times. And this guy has given me steroids. He has sold me steroids. He has sold other wrestlers steroids. I have all this proof documented, notarized statements from wrestlers that he has gave steroids to, sold steroids, and supplied steroids. And when he left Pensacola, he went to Atlanta, Georgia. He got into the same little groove there, steroids. Then to Memphis, Tennessee, and then he went to New York as a uh, Sterling Golden, I believe it was, and then he left New York and he went to Minneapolis as Thunder Lips after the movie Rocky Three, Steroid City. I have tapes of him on Johnny Carson. He can't get his breath, 320 pounds. And, uh, uh, you know, this guy, like Billy said, for him to come out and just all out lie to the youth of America, you know, and, you know, to, to this on Arsenio Hall show, as soon as I heard it, I had my agent pick up a phone call or send all. He said, I'll never have another wrestler on here because, uh, you know, he lied to me. He was going to come clean. He comes on here and he says he didn't do steroids. You know, he kind of made Arsenio look kind of silly yourself, you know. And uh, just because uh, Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan, they come out here on TV every week and they think they're uh, untouchable. They think they're immortal. I believe they're calling me immortal now, uh, Hulk Hogan. Um, you know, he can be anything he wants. But don't tell the kids that go to the gym, say your prayers, and take your vitamins. You're going to be 300 pounds, have 22, 23-inch arms. You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. It's a lie. Yeah, David, let me follow up on that, you know, that uh, that vitamin. Uh, let me jump right in here on you, and I apologize for that. But uh, when you mentioned the, the fact that he uh, he always does um, that tell uh, the kids to say their prayers and, and, and take their vitamins. Yes. Well, I tell you the local joke uh, here in Southern California, and I'm sure in other parts of the country, in the gyms that I've been in, when uh, they, uh, whenever the subject comes out about, about Hulk Hogan's vitamins, they say, well, what kind of vitamins do you take? Are they oral or injectable? That's what the people think about Hulk Hogan's vitamins. That's right. That's, uh, you know, not saying, now, not saying that, that kids 
because you shouldn't take vitamins. You know, I'm, that's right. You know, and Billy, Billy agrees. Hey, all the kids out there listening, all the grown-ups out there listening, get yourself into the gym if you're not there. Uh, definitely take your vitamins. Definitely take your vitamins. Work out. Stay in shape. But don't have a seven or eight-year-old kid growing up listening to this guy say, "Hey, so your parents take your vitamins, go to the gym, you be like the Hulkster." Well. First thing, you don't want to be like the Hulkster if you have to do it that way, with oh. the massive use of steroids, uh, uh, totally abusing them to get that size. Here we go. I don't know where to start, except for me like, either. Me either. I, I, I got a flashback of the night that I was in the studio listening to this, and uh, my head was spinning. And the thing that makes me sad, and I'm sad right now, and I was sad 30 years ago when I was having these gentlemen on the program, was that if Hulk Hogan would have gone on Arsenio Hall in July of, of 1991 and just told the truth, all of this wouldn't have happened. True. None of this would have happened. Right. And I think that's what pissed off Graham and Schultz more than anything else was that he had the opportunity to come clean. And he, he did. didn't do it. He didn't do it. He didn't do and it And it pissed all. these guys off. And they were like, well, you know, because the wrestling business was also being trashed and tarnished in the trial of Zaharian. And, but after the trial of Zaharian, he had the opportunity. And McMahon, I do believe that Vince McMahon did not know what he was going to say that night on Arsenio. And I think McMahon, as I said on the Donahue show, weren't you devastated? Were you devastated uh, when Hogan went on Arsenio and said that he only used it three times? So I think all of this stuff would have been avoided 30 years ago if he would have only come clean on Arsenio back then. Well, there's a lot of allegations here. But the there thing are. is, but the thing is, now I've been taking notes just listening to the comments and I, I have questions. Yeah. Number one, Graham's calling for people to boycott the WWF, the very organization that made him famous and probably pretty rich. Um, what good could that possibly do him at that point? I know he's he is bitter over his health problem. Yeah. And it's a self-inflicted health problem. Yep. But I don't understand what he would have to gain by making a statement like that. Well, I think Billy also had ulterior motives, whatever they might have been. Uh, you know, when he came out as forcefully as he did and talked about this and his relationship with Hogan. And, uh, you know, Billy is an interesting cat. Billy is like, a, you know, a ping pong ball. One year he loves Vince McMahon. The next year he does not. Then he hates him. You know, he said on, on Donahue that if my wife had a chance to shoot Vince McMahon, you know, that Vince McMahon looked at him at a sexual nature. This is all on Donahue, which we'll be getting into in a couple of months from now. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and, and then he gets, you know, he makes amends with Vince. Vince welcomes him back into the family. Uh, he gets inducted in the Hall of Fame for the WWE. And then now he's get, he had the falling out, another falling out. Now he's trying to get back in. Well, there's the thing. Uh, I recall in more recent years when the WWE put Abdullah the Butcher into the Hall of Fame, Graham said he was going to re either renounce or give back his Hall of Fame uh, designation 
if they put Abdullah in because he was angry at Abdullah because of the situation with Hannibal up in Canada where it was alleged that Abdullah gave Hannibal hepatitis by blading him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he, again, he got real strident and came right out and says, I renounce my Hall of Fame membership and all this other stuff. So when he gets angry, he kind of goes all the way, doesn't he? Yeah, he goes back and forth. And I believe he also sold his WWE Hall of Fame ring. He sold it. I believe it's gone. Yeah, he sold it. That's from what I understand. And David Schultz is a different story. David Schultz was was allegedly used by McMahon uh, when the John Stossel 2020 expose came out. And uh, he was told to kind of rough Stossel up if Stossel pushed about whether wrestling was legitimate or not. And, of course, John Stossel got slapped in both ears and, you know, busted his eardrums and then sued and won multiple millions of dollars in that lawsuit. And after that incident took place in Madison Square Garden in the hallway, uh, Dr. D. D David Schultz was then fired. Right. Because there was so much heat on that 2020 episode. Mm -hmm. And Dr. D. David Schultz never went back and forth with Vince McMahon. Dr. D. David Schultz didn't give a crap. He got fired. He felt he was done wrong. Uh, So maybe this was kind of his way of also getting back. And, you know, what they say in the business, you know, giving a receipt to somebody uh, by uh, this uh, by this stuff that was predicated by Hogan not telling the truth on Arsenio Hall was his opportunity. Well, of course, David was looking for a movie deal and all the other stuff that he was. Right. Right. Well, I I don't really recall the dollar figure that Stossel received. I, 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 the figure that that popped into my head was 475,000 to be honest with you. Okay. If you, if you have a better information, I don't know. I'm speculating. I, I think that's what was reported at the time of the, End of the, the settlement. The, okay. The settlement, right? Yeah. Um. And again, again, folks, we're working on our memories here. We don't have notes. It's but, thirty uh, years ago. Yeah. Um. And not easy to cover thirty no. years later. No, it's not because easy to it's cover really, things. it's really, it's really crappy stuff. Well, it's really, it's really stuff that you know you kind of cringe at, and you're like, you're reliving it, and I'm reliving it right now. But you know what? Here's what people forget about steroids. Everybody you thinks you, you take a steroid. Steroids are actually a very helpful medicine when prescribed by a doctor. Steroids can help you recover from injuries. Steroids can help you heal faster. Yes. Steroids are not necessarily toxic in your system if they're used correctly. The problem is professional wrestlers allegedly get them on the black market and use mega doses to build bulk. Some some wrestlers didn't even use them to build bulk. They were just trying to recover from injuries faster. So, yeah. but the way they were acquiring the steroids was the problem. Yes, and that tends to get lost in the sauce. I mean, steroids are not evil, but it's the intent in which they are are used and acquired that makes them illegal. Yeah, and and was, and, was, and there was a time in your playing devil's advocate. There was a time when they weren't illegal. That's very true. It was 1988 that they became a controlled substance, I believe. Right. And I'm sure a lot of these fellows were using them long before that point. Yeah. Long before that point. I mean, superstar Billy Graham was champion, what, 77? Billy Graham was uh, won the title on uh, on April 30th, 77, against right. Bruno. And, and right. Billy Graham had come into the WWF a year, year and a half earlier. Uh, and he had 
the physique, that chiseled body that McMahon fell in love with. There was I mean, never a better body in wrestling than Superstar never. Billy Graham, ever. He never. was one of the most perfect physiques you will ever see. Looked like a rock, yet I don't know how to put it. He was just so masculine he, looking. He was know? one of my favorite uh, subjects to photograph because of his charisma, because of his muscularity, because of him and the Grand Wizard. I mean, the posing. He always knew where the camera was, and he knew that he looked different than any other guy that ever stepped into the ring. And he yeah. knew it, and he got the championship over it. And, uh, you know, just uh, for speculation, if they would have turned him babyface back in the day, he might have had a run that could have rivaled Hulk Hogan's. I absolutely agree with that. And, it, you know, it was more to it than just a physique. It was the skin tone, the hair. All of it. The unbelievable power he had on the stick. People oh, yeah. loved him, even though they hated him. You know, yeah. that's that's a hard tightrope to walk yeah, but and, that's where Hogan, and that's where hogan kind of you know emulated billy graham in in promos later on billy graham emulated guys like you know uh muhammad ali i mean so it was kind of this and hogan emulated billy graham uh, billy graham was kind of a hero to hulk hogan and you know people tend to forget this when graham was champion for the year that he was he drew drew everywhere and you know, I think he he attendance kind of went up for a little bit at MSG when he was, was yes. the champion. I'm, he, I'm not saying a, a whole lot, but I know it went up a little. No, it was it was it was and the heat and the and the crowd popped, and it was kind of like people love to hate him. He was he was cheered by a lot of the fans, not really booed like a you know like a typical heel was. Mm -hmm. So maybe uh, the know, first maybe the first on the East Coast that ever achieved that. I think so. I think the Valiant brothers were kind of, you know, they also had this kind of cult following, but Billy Graham was over the top. Uh, no one ever liked, like him before. And the unfortunate thing for Billy was uh, when they gave back on the title uh, in February of 78, you know, that was preordained for over a year, you know? So yeah. they knew mm -hmm. that was like, it was, it's not like today where bookings on the fly, where you get to change a title. All right. You know, in two weeks, this guy's going to win the title. Uh, you know, television booking. But back then, Vince McMahon Sr. Uh, was, he had a direction and he wanted an All-American babyface to be the champion after Bruno uh, had decided that he didn't want to hold the title anymore. And they gave it to Billy and and then Backlund uh, wins the title in 78. But, you know, and, and a lot of people were disappointed when Backlund won the title because he wasn't Billy Graham. Which leads to the obvious question. If they had turned Graham would he have been a more successful and popular babyface champion than Bob Backlund was? Oh, now, Backlund, did, you know, history tends to distort. Backlund did fine. I know that not, you know, he, six he had years, a, right? And near the end years. of that run, I know that things kind of petered out, but they always do in wrestling when the champion's a champion that long. People say, I've seen that. But I just wonder if they had chosen to go the other route and turn Graham into a slow turning face if that would have been even more successful than Backlund was. And I'm not putting down Backlund. Don't no, get me wrong. No, no but it's, it's something great, that's always entered my mind because people love Graham. There's no question about it. Yeah. 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 Uh, I could, you know, I could attest to that myself because I was a huge Billy Graham mark. <laughs> you know, I probably have more pictures of Billy Graham in my archives than anybody else, him and Bruno. I mean, uh, but you know, 
you knew that there was something special. Like in, you know, you, you call it the it factor, whether you're a Hollywood movie star or whether you're a baseball player or whether you're a wrestler or whether you're an artist in the music business. Once you have that indelible it factor, which Billy Graham had, you don't forget him and you never will. Very well put. You can't put it better than that. He had, you're right, the it factor. He was the man, the perfect choice yeah. to beat not only, you know, win the championship in the first place. Yeah, I was, uh, I was, blown away. yeah, I was blown away when I first met Billy. And it was his very first uh, show in New York City. Uh, George Napolitano and I uh, went and got Billy from the airport and we took him straight to the New York State Athletic Commission to get his license that day. So, I mean, just meeting the guy for the first time was like unbelievable, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and that was his first garden show. And so, yeah, Billy and I, you know, have had uh, interaction a long time. I reached out. Donnie had given me his email address and because I really would have loved to have his input on a show like this and just didn't hear back from him. Uh, you know, I sent him an, uh, an email, but uh, but Billy is in a bad place right now. He's bedridden uh, for the most part. I, and, oh, was and, that uh, right? I, I was yeah, he's been in he's been in bad health for a long, 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 long time. He's got a GoFundMe that's been up for a couple of years now, and he's he's uh, he's still suffering the effects of what happened years ago. I, and here's, and here's the other thing I just want to bring up. I mean, even Hulk Hulk Hogan when because these. The steroids after years of abuse. Hulk Hogan today, if you look at Hulk, I saw a picture of him last week with a cane, you mm -hmm. know, just drawn. And it just kind of makes you think. I'm not alleging anything, but it makes you think about the years and the extensive use that he had. That, um, you know, you look at the guy today and and uh, you, you feel bad for him. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's a tough business, you know, it's tough on the hips, it's tough on the joints, it's tough on the knees, it's tough oh, on yeah. the back, it's tough on the neck. I mean, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, who recently passed away, um, I had the same neck injury as him and I know what he went through. Uh, these guys have a tough way to make a living. It's harder than any athlete. I don't care what anybody says. Wrestlers have it really tough. And in any moment you can take a wrong step or a wrong mm -hmm. fall and everything changes and it's a tough road to hoe. And when you add steroids as another layer of danger on top of all that, yeah, it makes it a very rough senior years for these guys. Oh, I can only imagine, you know, Mick Foley was not a steroid guy. Look at him. Look at, you know, this poor guy is like, uh, all the years that he put his body through abuse, but the steroid stuff is a different story. And you're saying like, you get up in age, like I've had two back surgeries. Mm -hmm. I never, you know, what did I do? Have two matches in the ring and that had nothing to do with it. Really? I have a compressed vertebrae in my neck. Uh, and you know, I have a, I have a torn rotator cuff right now. So it's like, it's not easy getting around these days, but you can imagine what these guys did to their body. So the steroids that, you know, elevated their performance and gave them this incre these incredible bodies. But, uh, you know, after years and wear and tear and taking bumps in the ring and the abuse that they put themselves through. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just really, it's sad. It's the, it's a business that, you know, but you go into it with the, you go into it knowing the risks and we're getting off topic a little bit, but we're going, you know, you go into it knowing the risk, but uh, in this era, this 30 year ago era that we're covering right now, hearing uh, Schultz and Graham 
talk about this. It just kind of saddens me a little bit that things could have been a lot different. Uh, getting back to the original point, which is like if he only did the right thing on in July of 1991, right? Who knows? Well, there's that other factor too that we saw so many wrestlers dying young, like the '80s, the '80s stars passing away while the '70s stars were still with us. Yeah, that's important. And you know, we admire you, wrestlers. We really do. We, we do. don't want to see you get sick and have an early demise. No. That's that's really at the heart of all this. You know, it really is. Everything else is secondary. We well, don't. We're, we're see... covering history. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure today's guys, you know, with the organizations and the drug testing and the wellness programs, and let's not, you know, let's 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 call a spade a spade, in in a way. I mean, it's like Tony Khan, AEW, Vince McMahon's WWE. Uh, there's much more. Uh, they're, they're much more mindful. Yes. Of their oh, health, yeah. their futures. Yeah. yeah, we're we're covering an era like 30 years ago where, you know, it was kind of like the bigger you are, the bigger your push. As much as they never would like to admit that, that was the case mm-hmm. up until, up until uh, after Zaharian's trial and after McMahon's trial in 94 when he was quitted. That's when the business took a different turn, and the steroid era at that point was over. Right, and you know, it, it, there's the other, like you say, the mitigating factor of of, of Hogan. Um, you know, say your prayers, take your vitamins, la di da. But you know, sold to children, which I don't think any wrestler should ever be sold to children. But that's just my two cents. Yeah, and uh, that's what got us here. Yep, yeah, that's what got us right here. So our next segment, you're going to take some calls, and I really like what you did on this segment because you put your foot down. You said, keep it on topic, folks, mm-hmm. and they did. Yeah. Ex- explain, explain your rationale. Well, I mean, it was like had, a, it was had a slew show. Of, yeah, you had a slew of people calling and asking where the ultimate warrior was. You didn't want that on this show. No, I was kind of forceful here. It was <laughs> it had to stay on topic because if someone had called in and asked about the ultimate warrior or right. you know who was going to win the the Royal Rumble uh after we were getting all of this information, I think the fans understood that for the most part that this was serious stuff. So let's kind of let's stay on topic and uh, I was glad that I did put my foot down and you know people in the future weeks would have plenty of time to to talk wrestling. That's right. So here is a, again, a lot more meat here, folks, as John takes calls from a variety of fans. We'll take caller number one. Please uh, na- uh, state your name and where you're calling from. Uh, this is Paul, Paul Emmert. Uh, Paul, where are you calling from? From Flushing, Queens. Okay, you have a question for our guest. Yes, I have a question. Besides, uh, first, I, have to, uh, uh, I wonder if I can have this autograph. Uh, and also, I was just wondering... Uh, Lower your radio, please, Paul. I'm, I'm sorry. I was just wondering, just a curiosity sake. Uh, you said that Hulk Hogan is, uh, is on steroids. Would you would you say other wrestlers are on steroids, such as Ric Flair or Rusting, are uh, taking steroids also? Well, why do you gentlemen want to take that question? Yeah, well, I, I, I can't uh, speak for uh, uh, other wrestlers, but I can I can put in a lump sum approximately, uh, approximately 90%. Uh, I would say, or even 95% or even higher of all WWF wrestlers have been taking steroids. Now, since this man has uh, inc- uh, supposedly incorporated drug testing for steroids, uh, uh, 
uh, with supposed suspensions and fines if you fail the test. Uh, and their first test has been now uh, going into the eighth week since it's happened, and there's been no results uh, uh, notified to the public. No one knows if anyone failed the test. No one knows if there's been a suspension or a fine. And Vince McMahon stating that he has the greatest uh, steroid testing uh, program, even better than the NFL, hasn't even announced that if he has a rehab program for people trying to go up. Yeah, but he was taking steroids himself, too. There's a man admitted taking steroids himself, obviously. And Titan Sports, uh, according to the Federal Express receipts that uh, were shown on the Inside Edition show uh, Friday night, they received uh, over 36 pounds of packages from Dr. Zahorian uh, and steroids were in those packages in the year uh, of 1988. Right. So as far as Sting and uh, the other wrestlers go, uh, we know that we can lump them into a, 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 a blanket figure. Uh, as, but I, I personally do not know myself of these people taking steroids. Okay, thanks for your call. And uh, as far as the autographed photo that you were wondering about, just keep listening here to the show and we'll know, let you know how to make, we'll make those available to you. Uh, n- uh, the number here is 212-477-5610. Let's go to our next call. Where are you calling from? Uh, yeah, this is Joel Gertner. I'm calling from Brooklyn, New York. Joel, how you doing? What can we do for you? Uh, nothing much. John, good luck on the WEVD. Thank you. Uh, I, I sat through the uh, the show before. It sounded like the Colonel Mustafa show, but it was well worth it. Well, well you appreciate you hanging in there with us. Okay. Um, Dr. D. Yes. I can't tell you enough how much you made the uh, the Butcher Vashon's wedding piece. Well, on, uh, on TNT, I thought that was very funny. Well, I thought it was uh, funny too, and uh, you know, as you as you should know, if you don't know, that was all Vince McMahon's uh, planning, right, uh, for me to hit the girl with the pie, and, uh, right. You know, everything else that I did on TNT. One of my favorite memories. Uh, just a couple questions to either of you guys that would know this. The first one is, when was Hulk Hogan's? When did he stop using steroids? And uh, what was the real reason? Was it an accelerated heartbeat, I've heard? When exactly was it, and what was the reason? And the second question is, if you could approximate maybe with him or somebody else, what percentage of the wrestler's yearly salary do you think goes into the steroids? Uh, well, I don't know uh, Hulk Hogan's, uh, uh, if he's, uh, I, it appears that he is off of steroids now. So he may, he, he may have simply, since the Zahorian trial and all the heat that's come down, uh, he probably is going on cycles. Uh, I know I've seen him a little bit heavier than he is now. I've seen him a little bit thinner than he is now. So he's been fluctuating. And I would say he was definitely taking steroids up and until the trial last June. Okay, Billy, not to interrupt, but didn't he, uh, uh, was on entertainment tonight and did want the uh, results of his steroid test made public, and that is yet to happen. That's right. Okay. And and secondly, Joe, quickly. uh, Yeah, no, did he have an accelerated heartbeat at one point? Was that a reason? And also, what percentage of his yearly salary do you think went into the drugs? Uh, I don't know, uh, Dr. D. Uh, I've heard rumors also of, of a heart problem, but nothing uh, substantiated by uh, a doctor and, and made public. Uh, as far as uh, the financial input to, to buying steroids, uh, you, can, uh, you can spend thousands of dollars a year on steroids very easy. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks for your call, Joel. Bye-bye. Okay, number to call here is 212-477-5610, and uh, that is the number to talk to superstar Billy Graham or David Schultz. Who do we have on the line right now? Glenn from Baldwin. Glenn, how you doing? How are you, John? Okay. Uh, I got a question for Billy Graham. Go right ahead. Mr. Graham, I was wondering, you came back into the WWF, I don't remember what year it was, uh, you were doing a lot of MSG broadcasts. Now, if you knew about this all going on with the steroids, why did you come back into the WWF? Well, because I was addicted to steroids. 
You see, that not only uh, are do, do steroids, like Dr. D mentioned earlier on in the, in the opening of this broadcast, that uh, steroids have done him nothing but good. Well, they did me nothing but good also until I started having problems because steroids give you such a euphoric feeling and they give you such a, a feeling of self-esteem. Uh, you feel like you're impregnable. You feel like you're, uh, 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 nothing can harm you, nothing can hurt you. You can accomplish anything you want to accomplish, and it's a, it's a total psychological steroid addiction and so uh the reason i didn't say anything i was addicted to steroids you see okay glenn thanks very much for your call uh we're gonna go to our next call here and if possible can you uh, possibly write down the names of the callers and maybe flash them over to me so i know who i'm speaking to thank you very much we're gonna take another call here at uh 212-476 call from brooklyn new york okay what can we do for you yeah like Talk to Superstar Billy Graham. Go right ahead. Hi, Superstar. You said you gave you injected Hulk Hogan an 87 with steroids on several occasions. Yes, that's right. Right. Uh, well, I want after your operation, you said it was an 86. Couldn't didn't Hulk Hogan see what happened to you? Didn't you think that it might happen to him also? Well, at that time in 1986, at the time of my operation, I did not know that steroids caused the damage to my hip. Uh, I, I was not told by any physician uh, uh, that steroids had done that damage. I was not alerted of that until 1990 after my ankle operation. So uh, there was no, uh, there was no uh, evidence or proof to me that steroids at that time had taken my hip out. And didn't they would that remove some parts of your ankle? Yeah, they had to take, pardon me? They remove parts of the other anatomy to replace your hip? Yeah, they had to take out the whole hip joint and put a, uh, a steel joint back in. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it actually is made out of titanium. Wow, and how about your ankles? What did they and do? The, and the ankle, they had to cut out the ankle joint. My right leg is now uh, approximately one inch shorter than my left leg. The whole ankle joint was uh, uh, had deteriorated uh, from uh, uh, what happened when you, uh, some people, uh, that is now occurring like me, when you, uh, you take a lot of steroids on a long-term basis, on a prolonged term basis, um, you build a plaque from the cholesterol, and that plaque buildup uh, clogged the small blood vessels and capillaries in my hips and my ankles and, and, and prevented the blood supply to go through so without blood supply to the joint area your bone dies so my bone died at my hip they had to replace that in the ankle the bone had died it crumbled up and they had to go in there and cut out all the dead bone take fresh bone from my shin and from my good hip put it back on my ankle and bolt my ankle back together okay thanks for your call number to call here 212-477-5610 let's go to our next caller hi you're on the air hi uh john it's dean from queens how you doing, Dean? Okay, I'm one of your Booster Club members. How you doing? Okay, uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, wish you well on WEPD. Thank you very much. Okay, and uh, I'd like to just say to um, Superstar Graham and to uh, Dr. D that uh, the two of you should be commended for coming out on this very controversial topic. And, uh, you know, I just want to say that. Um, the question that I have for the two of you, either one of you can answer it, um, Superstar Graham, you said that you shot up Hogan that you could recall three times in 87. Um, my question to you is, you know, for those of us who are not, uh, you know, versed in, in the use of steroids, thankfully, um, how, how, long does it take, how long does it take to take effect? 
Well, the injections that I gave uh, Hulk Hogan uh, uh, were a, uh, uh, an oil-based substance, and uh, after injection, it's released into your system very slowly, um, uh, whereas compared to orals, uh, oral uh, tablets uh, are assimilated much faster in your system. Uh, you start you start seeing effects from a, uh, a uh, an injectable oil-based uh, steroid. Uh, oh, within the three, five days, it starts seeping into your system, and it stays there uh, for a much longer period of time. Okay, thanks for your call, Dean. Let's go to Keith from Queens on line number four. Keith, how are you? Hi. I wanted to ask Superstar where he was from the time period of uh, 1978 to when he came back and had the angle with Bob Backlund in WWF in 1982, and if that had something to do with steroid abuse when he was no, gone. I, was just, uh, I just had job burnout, and I just was in Arizona out in the desert just recuperating from all the traveling. Okay, and um, I also wanted to ask, um, Vince McMahon said he used steroids, but... Was he a was he a real steroid abuser? Was he taking heavy dosages or just cycling to look good? I my personally don't know. Maybe David knows uh, uh, about uh, more about his steroid use. I don't know uh, more than anything more than what he just stated on that uh, uh, press conference he had back in the summer that he in fact had uh, taken cycles of uh, I believe it was decadurabolin. Uh, but I don't have any more knowledge than that. Yeah, I believe it was uh, in the article you're referring to, Bill. He said fair minutes. He experimented with Decker. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, as far as knowing personally what Vince McMahon does outright, I don't know if uh, there's just a, very few people know what he does outright. Because uh, he keeps himself private. He's got all of his little stooges that does his other stuff for him. But, you know, um, no, I don't think he overindulged in them. Uh, you can look at him and tell he hasn't abused them uh, or hasn't been on them a long time. Um, you know, I can tell that by just looking at him on TV. Okay, back on the phones now. Let's go to Evan from Great Neck. Evan, you're next. Hi, John, Billy, and Dave. How are you all doing? Good, good. Thank you. I guess my question goes to either one of you who can answer. Um, do you think maybe that the steroid problem in wrestling could uh, maybe clean itself up if someone decided to say this guy's on steroids or this guy and that guy, and for people will realize that it's not just one person. And when they start hearing names, and I guess no one wants to take, you know, take uh, rec take the blame for naming people, but maybe it's time that they have to name names for people to realize how many wrestlers are really on steroids. Uh, yeah, I don't know uh, what David thinks about that, but I tell you, uh, my personal opinion is it's totally up to Vince McMahon. He's the man in control. He's the man in charge. He's the man who says that he's now testing for steroids, uh, but yet we haven't heard. Uh, uh, he said he his testing procedure will be better than the NFL. Now, the NFL tested eight players randomly every Sunday during the regular season and made public the names of people who, fa who failed those tests. Uh, Vince McMahon has tested uh, eight weeks ago now, going on eight weeks, and yet the public doesn't know if one person failed the test, a dozen people failed the test, or if anybody failed the test, and if, and, and if the people who might have failed the test, what the suspension would be, what the uh, suspected fine might be, or, or what uh, what could possibly, uh, what type of discipline would uh, would follow. So we're totally in the dark uh, uh, with the uh, testing procedures of Vince McMahon. Okay. Uh, I agree. I agree with Billy on that. And another thing, uh, you know, um, Remember how big uh, Vince McMahon uh, is, and uh, he, whatever results he wants to come out, it's my opinion that those results will come out. A guy can be uh, dying of an infectious disease and not bring it out. If, it don't, if he doesn't want it out, it's not going to get out. So you're saying it's selective discipline, in other words, also? Yes, exactly. Okay, we're going to go uh, back on the phones right now. Uh, let's go to Don from Oceanside. Don, on line number three, you're next. John, how are you? Okay. Uh, superstar, 
David, it's nice to hear from you. Uh, I have to ask uh, Superstar, I'd like to ask you this question considering you've been with the WWF longer. Do you think that if Vince Sr. was still around, I know he's been dead for about eight years now, do you think if he had been around, do you think the steroid problem would have proliferated as much as it has now? Uh, that's a really good, uh, interesting question. Uh, ben Senior, uh, um, uh, well, certainly uh, uh, one of the problems wouldn't have uh, would have arisen, and that's uh, going across the country and taking other people's television and, and territories away from them, like uh, Vince Junior has done. But right. uh, as far as the steroid problem, I think I think uh, Vince wouldn't Ben Senior wouldn't have been able to stop the onslaught and the uh, the siege of uh, wrestlers taking steroids that are doing it now. I think that was a natural occurrence of. Uh, of the late 70s and the 80s uh, and in the society we live in. Uh, he, he would have had to deal with it, definitely, but I don't think he would have himself been able to stop it. Okay, thank you. And uh, about the drug testing, I heard that uh, Thomas Borick, who wrestled as Cato, I heard that he had failed the drug test. I don't know. Yeah, we have no knowledge. We have no knowledge about that at all. Uh, the testing that also takes place in the WWF for other drugs, other illegal drugs at all, um, that, is that pretty much in your in your opinion, David and Billy, is still a problem in uh, WWF and other circuits, uh, other drugs? I, I, well, I'd like to jump on this one. That uh, you know, the other drugs, like you, you know, you're talking about steroids here uh, on this show. Yeah. But you just got a tip of an iceberg. You know, mm-hmm. you, you haven't even mentioned cocaine, marijuana, heroin. You haven't mis- mentioned uh, crack cocaine. You haven't mis- mentioned uh, all the criminal activity going on there, the criminals that are wrestling, convicted felons that are wrestling for the WWF. Uh, and when I was wrestling with them, according to the commission, if you was a convicted felon, you can even have a license in a lot of states. And uh, I know for a fact that there's several convicted felons wrestling for Vince right now. And it would uh, shock the whole world to know who they are. Yeah, it sounds... Uh, like I told you... <laughs> That information is on the way, coming out in paperback or... <laughs> yeah, you, Get that on your local newsstand. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> in your local bookstore. Yeah, really. And, uh, you know, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely uh, other drugs there. Um, there's no secret. It's been in all the newspaper. Uh, several arrestors have been busted with cocaine, uh, marijuana, uh, other prescription drugs, and uh, without prescription, you know... Um, class two substance, class three, class four. They got them all. I mean, it's uh, it was a walk-in drugstore when I walked in. Like Billy, while ago on a question, was talking about uh, uh, when uh, uh, Vince Sr. was there. I met Vince Sr. in 83, and, uh, you know, I believe he passed away in 84. And what I met of Vince Sr., he was uh, a real nice man, and everything he ever told me was uh, opposite of what Vince Jr. has done. If he told me, uh, you know, I would be in this area for a year. I could look forward to that. Uh, and Vince Jr. tell you you're going to be here a year. Uh, you might be here a month, maybe here two days. But he had he had, had knowledge of steroid use because uh, Dr. Cesaria was giving all the boys in Allentown, Pennsylvania, at uh, wrestling matches. That's where we re-upped our steroid supply. Plus, there's a couple more doctors around the United States as... Uh, Really, uh, they're always conveniently there for you to get whatever you want. Uh, and like I said, in the book, you'll be able to read about those people, too. And I have prescriptions but from those doctors for 50 bottles of testosterone, Zacatrobolin, at one time, one night, given <laughs> to me by a doctor. 
that was in the WWF dressing room, not Dr. Zazorian either. Matter of fact, this doctor is a very close, dear close friend of Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea. So some powerful information here tonight at the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. The more they talk, the more your eyes get wide. Yeah, and the more I kind of like, my God. Yeah, cringing. It, it's cringing. It's cringeworthy. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, a lot of calls all weighing in, you know, from Joel Gertner, who uh, obviously became famous at ECW, and uh, two others who are just really trying to even cross-examine these guys a little bit about some of the allegations that were being made during this broadcast. And, you know, towards the latter part of the segment, with some of the things that uh, Schultz was saying, I mean, I just sit here listening, and obviously the disclaimer is like, those were the opinions of David Schultz, man. And right, uh, even even today, we must emphasize these are people's allegations and opinions. Yes. Um, I don't. Did he ever write that book? I don't think so. He might have had a book. I'm not even sure, Bob. Nor am I. Nor am I. I'm not even sure. But I'm sure some of the people listening to this podcast would know it all. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah. These these fans absolutely. And I'll I'll tell you something else. I really liked Graham's answer to an early question when he was asked about well, why did you go back to do color commentary after leaving? You know, why didn't you say something then? It was a perfect answer. He was still on him. Yeah. You know, you know, he was still doing it. He wasn't even wrestling, and it seems like he was still using. Yeah. That's really sad. It really is. Yeah, it was a very horrific uh time period in, in the pro wrestling business. It definitely was. Um, I, I think we'll get to our, our last clip. And this is the hardest clip I will ever present on this podcast. Yeah. And this was uh, this <laughs> this clip. Some of the statements were published in the New York Post a few days later. The uh, I, I give my little clips nicknames here. Uh, you know, when Alex and I go over the clips and I have. Uh, I dubbed this one Graham's bombshell point. Yeah, because he's about to make some statements that are both riveting and horrifying at this. And I mean this with every sense of those words. Yeah, if you heard, Folks, if, you, if you thought this show was explosive, the ending of this show yes. makes it even more explosive. There's never been an ending like this, and I think in the history of your show, John. And no. I listened to this with my jaw agape, and yeah. I felt bad for everybody just even talking about these things. Of fans. I, think, I didn't think Vinny Russo was turning white in the control room. <laughs> like yeah, I mean, I mean this, drained of all the blood because I know mine was. Because stuff's about to go down here in terms of verbal uh, comments. And I, I'm just, I'm sitting here. I don't even know how to describe this. Why don't we just listen and go ahead. Let the listeners make up their minds about Graham's bombshell point. The finale. Gentlemen, you still there? Oh yes. Oh yeah. We and uh, let me let me make a, a real fast statement before you you take your next couple calls, uh, John. Okay. Um, you know, uh, David and I both have been, uh, uh, since our show, uh, Inside Edition aired for Friday night, uh, uh, people have been calling us all over the country and uh, applauding uh, our uh, coming forward and, and exposing uh, uh, Terry Bollet uh, uh, for the insidious lie that he has perpetrated on this country. And uh, I would just like to say that a lot of my friends in wrestling, including Big John Studd and Jesse the Body Ventura and Terry Funk, and their family members have expressed concern about the safety of my health. 
Um, and I would just like to go on record as saying that back in August, um, after the Zahorian trial, um, uh, the uh, uh, U.S. attorney that uh, uh, who prosecuted uh, Zahorian, Theodore Smith, contacted me and 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 wanted me offered offered me with the FBI to either one wiretap my phone or two put a wire a live wire on me and send me into Vincent Man's office in hopes of gaining information uh, uh, about him because there is an ongoing investigation right now by the FBI. And they told me the reason they were concerned and interested in investigating Mr. McMahon is because they felt the man might be connected to the mafia, the WWF connected to the mafia. So I'm just going on record as saying now, if anything happens to me or any member of my family, I want the FBI first start their investigation with Vince McMahon and the WWF. I just want to make that clear. Now, I'm sure that if they uh, uh, tried to harm uh, either David Schultz or any member of his family, they would have a much harder time because this man is the best bounty hunter in the United States and the world, and I understand has an arsenal, a legal arsenal, and uh, I think it would be a different story with David than myself. I just want to make that point clear, John. Hey, hey Billy. Absolutely right, Billy. Billy, uh, can, I, can I just... Fact, if they want to harm me, they, they know where I live. Mm. You know where I walk the streets, and if they don't know, all they got to do is get in touch with me, and I'll tell them, and I'll meet them. And, uh, you know, it's not like the gun show Vince McMahon put me on, made me look stupid like I don't know nothing about guns. I'm an expert shot, and in Connecticut, I carry a MAC-10, fully auto, and I carry about 150 rounds on me at all times. And that's just one one weapon in the bounty hunting that I do. But, you know, I'm not worried about anybody coming to get me or my family or anybody else because, uh, you know, uh, first thing, uh, you know, I've got some good connections with different people, too, and... Uh, uh, you know, I wouldn't know if that was going to happen. And um, yeah, that's right, David. But I'm just saying that, the, that the, our friends have our friends have voiced their concern about our safety. Definitely have. I've got threatening phone calls in here. I've got about six in the last two days uh, since Friday night. I have those uh, on my machine recorded. I don't know who they're coming from. Uh, whoever they're coming in from, they should take uh, speaking lessons. You know, I mean, they use these voice things that change your voice. <laughs> Which, you know, that's okay, too. You know, I mean, there's no problem with that. <laughs> well, not to interrupt, but uh, I, as far as the statement you just made, Billy, I'd like to be included in on that as well. Um, as far as anything that happens to me or any member of my family, uh, man, it's a, it's kind of a scary thought. No, well, the thing is, we're dealing, with, uh, we're dealing with a subject here uh, that could affect millions of dollars worth of merchandising, and it should justifiably do that, because we have a superhero to these children of the United States of America, a mega hero, a mega star, who has come out and blatantly lied and deceived the kids of this country. And I believe, I believe that if you lie to a child in the magnitude that Hulk Hogan has, that falls in the same category as child abuse, and I believe it is. Exactly. Wow, it's uh, it's been a powerful, powerful program here today, and unfortunately, we're just about run out of time. Uh, Billy Graham and David Schultz, uh, I really appreciate you guys coming on here uh, to speak about uh, the subject, which is not going to go away. Uh, it just seems to get stronger and stronger as the months go by, and... Uh, I appreciate both of you guys coming on. Thank you on. very much, John, and it was, a, it was an honor being on with you, David, and I'm looking forward uh, to some more shows next week and possibly some more uh, uh, talk shows coming up on television, maybe the Donahue Show in 2020. I know they want to do a piece on this, and I'm looking uh, really looking forward to being with you on these shows, David. Yeah, I'm looking forward to being back with you again, Billy, uh, person to person on the stage, and like I said, they've just touched an iceberg. 
and we have documented proof on everything that we have said. We, we haven't said nothing. We haven't come out and said anything that we can't prove. And like I said, again, I want to say that I'm in the process of writing a book along with Billy Graham's information, my information, our documentation, and a movie also. We're in negotiations now with different people, and you will not believe what goes on in pro wrestling in the WWF, and you will not believe the steroid abuse uh, that is still going on. And it's going to continue to go on. There's no way it's going to stop, uh, not unless they come out with a, a testing program uh, where they, when they come in, they have a, the government come in at a certain time. Yes, yes, that's walk, right, David. Walk right in and say, yo, you, 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 you're getting tested tonight. Let's go. John, all I have to say is, good heavens, man. Oh, Yeah, that was kind of a listening back to that now for the first time in such a long time. Uh, explosive statements and, you know, the mafia allegations. I, I can't um, I can't even believe that that would be a scenario personally. Uh, you know, you know, it, it just uh, but listening back to it explosive and billy you know when they said they wanted him wired or his phone tapped and you know you have to really look at the um possibility about the federal investigation that led to the arrest and trial of mcmahon in 94 a lot of this stuff seems to tie together when you look when you're looking into the future as well right but and the and the and the Muchnick column that came out a few days later, and and who knows what was uh, being you know being investigated and being the you know what evidence was being accumulated for the uh, arrest uh, and the trial of McMahon, who he was acquitted. Let's uh, just say that. Uh, but this stuff was um, was not easy for me to cover, and it's not easy for me to listen to today because there were explosive bombs that were being thrown left and right. And you listen to it today, and you're like, holy smokes, this was no, crazy. No fan, promoter, wrestler, no law enforcement wants this. No, Nobody said, you know, let, let's go out around, running around exposing each other to, to the Ill illegalities that have been taking place. Um, yeah. Nobody wanted it. Nobody saw it coming. And the fact that it, it was so double-barreled all the time with revelation after accusation after headline after and it was all on your show <laughs> and it, it became a circus man uh and it's only going to become more of a circus because i was covering all of it and then you know you'd bring guests on and and then the you know the before you know it after the muchnick column then you know the the ring boy gets uh gets a hold of muchnick and uh, there's just uh, so much of this stuff that's going to be hard for me to listen to each and every week. And you're trying to report on it. And the one thing that always got to me is that every week and every every week after an episode like this, you'd give them the opportunity to come on to rebut it or to answer it or to uh, dispute it or just to say, hey, listen, this is outrageous. What what? these guests are saying about the company. So uh, they never acknowledged this other than the le legal letters that the station began to receive uh, from uh, the WWF, the legal letters. Uh, so, um, and what did, can you reveal what they said or what, what, uh, the well, the, you know, 
well, it was just kind of like, uh, you know, the allegations that were being spread about them. And uh, they were they were threatening the 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 place that I was broadcasting from. In what what regard? How could they? Well, because they're, you know, they're, these are serious things that were being said. Well, yeah. And but I, I know I mean, the station received uh, letters from them. I mean, the, the guy right. that I that my, my the guy that I dealt with there. Uh, and I think he comes on the show uh, in the neck, not not in particular, but especially around the sex scandal stuff mm-hmm. that uh, he had gotten uh, letters from uh, from the WWF, from Jerry McDevitt. Like I said, I haven't heard these shows yet, Bob. It's 30 years ago. And right. I don't... And some of these shows I haven't heard at all. So along yeah, with the well, listeners, I'm like going to be learning like just said, like they are. Like yeah. I said, week after week, this particular show I had heard previously because of uh, I'd given a copy of it to Dark Side of the Ring. And uh, so this show, but, you know, in the Muchnik show I heard because I've uploaded it, you know, because we're going to be taping that one uh, mm-hmm. for next week is next week's episode. Uh, but uh, the vast majority of these shows – I have not heard in 30 years. So I'm going to be just as curious to see how it unfolds as everybody else is listening to this. Well, we've seen wrestlers, baseball players, Olympic athletes, football, even cycling, all with their own steroid scandals. The root of the problem is that everybody's looking for a competitive edge at any cost. And until we learn that the cost can be too high, we're never going to advance on this. Now, I do think, you know, I do believe that steroids are such a, 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 a crimson mark now that I believe that there are less steroids used in athletics. But you know what? I don't know about masking agents and all that other stuff. The key is to know right from wrong and, and try not to use them. I mean, seriously. And, and you know, it, what are we teaching kids? Just like they were saying on your program, um, there's right and there's wrong. There's a good way to get to the top and a bad way. And I hope people have learned in in the last 30 years at least a little something about that i'm sure i'm sure they have you know all the sports have had their issues with it but uh explosive show interesting first uh first of the year kicking off 2022 with what happened in 1992 and all i could say is bob um it was a good one uh we'll we'll hopefully uh get some good response from this from the people who listening to this podcast and uh it was an interesting way to kick off the new year let's put it and, that way and folks if you enjoyed this one there's more coming yeah phil Muchnick will be on the next episode so that should be interesting mm-hmm. that'll be interesting Absolutely. all right so let's uh let's get this wrapped up for today and uh, i do want to remind everybody once again to check out our patreon account you can hear these entire shows unedited without commercials uh, well, actually with commercials, but the commercials are from 1992 now. Uh, patrons do get the entire archives of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight radio show. All the original, uncut, unedited shows are there, every one of them. You'll uh, have access to this podcast in each one of our episodes several days before it's released, and those are without commercials. For $5 a month, you'll have access to the archives, the podcast, there are several other tiers if you want bonus audio, video clips, vintage 8mm clips from my archives, photos, Zoom calls, which we had a great one uh, before the first of the year. Uh, that was really cool with a bunch of our uh, patrons, which was a lot of fun, and we'll do that every month. Uh, I also send out vintage wrestling magazines from the 60s through the 90s, a level for all budgets. We put up new content each and every week. 
That'll wrap up this edition of John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight. You can join our private group at facebook.com slash Pro Wrestling Spotlight podcast and radio show. Our public page to share history is facebook.com, John Arezzi's Memories. There's a private group there as well. Our YouTube channel is doing really well. Please subscribe to it. It features clips from all of our shows and as well as other content. You can go to youtube.com slash Pro Wrestling Spotlight for the YouTube channel. Please subscribe to that now. Follow me on Twitter at John Arezzi, Instagram the same at John Arezzi as well. And I want to thank everybody on the Instagram was just blowing up. I put up uh, vintage photos each and every night. And uh, it's really, people are really responding very, very well. So thank you for that. If you'd like to sign a numbered copy of my book, Matt Memories, send me an email john at mattmemories.com merchandise is available at tinyurl.com slash pws store and if you're listening to this on apple podcast please give the show five stars review it there and please tell your friends about us as well share the show links help us build the audience it is greatly appreciated don't forget to check out our sister podcast Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden, covering all the shows I covered from the mecca of all arenas 50 years ago to the day the show takes place. Our next episode will be later this month, covering the house show I went to 50 years ago in January of 1971. Uh, That show was hosted, uh, co-hosted by Tim Poutre, and it's researched and written by Richie Garcia. John Arisi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight podcast is a production of Matt Memories, LLC. Our co-host is Bob Smith. Our producer and editor, Alex Robertson. Donnie Liable covers the news capsule each week. Pro Wrestling Spotlight's creative director is our friend Marsh. And thanks to our Patreon executive producer, Jeremy Priest, and all the patrons for your support for the production of this show. Until next week, when we relive more history with you, this is John Arezzi for the Pro Wrestling Spotlight.